Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. We continue our journey into the wizarding world of Normie podcasts and bust our godfather out of jail. We solemnly swear that we're up to no good. It's the Harry Potter franchise on Normies Like Us. Welcome to another year at Hogwarts. Sirius Black has escaped from Azkaban prison. He's the reason the Potters are dead. It is not in the nature of a Dementor to be forgiving. You foul, loathsome, and evil little cockroach! Oh, oh. That felt good. Not good. Brilliant. Welcome back to Normies Like Us. You heard it up top, folks. It's still Harry Vember, Potter Sember. Uh, we're still talking <laughs> the Harry Potter franchise here on Normies Like Us. Getting into the colder months, right? This is our first December record for a colder, kind of a darker movie. That's right. We're talking the third one, Prisoner of Azkaban. With your host, this is uh, Sirius Colin. This is uh, Marauder's Mike. Uh, this is uh, Jacob Lupin. Yes. And this is Cassie Black. <laughs> Cassie <Hey>. Black, <laughs> our special guest. That's right. Cassie, Cassie is back. Ooh, back in Cassie black. Trelawney. That's right, Jacob. Cassie, I we feel like you would. Um, yeah, I feel like you would identify with Professor Trelawney a lot because you are into astrology and all that. And yes, feel like. Yeah. Okay, anyone who's Divination. read the books knows Trelawney is severely underrepresented. She's a humongous, true, she's true. part of the prophecy. That's such yes. an underrated moment in this movie is the prophecy. Like, that's a huge deal in the book because for a while we don't know what the prophecy is. We don't know right. the gravitas of it. It's really the crux well, the, of the whole series. Yeah, the whole joke of her character basically is that like, She's really bad at her job most of the time, but then sometimes she like gives a real prophecy. But the ironic part is that she doesn't remember what she said. So it's like that's like she's not that's bad like at a her job. super ironic. She's just I think uh, well, a she's misunderstood. I relate. I don't no, know. No, she's like great Trelawney. at her job. She's a great professor. Um, yeah. I have to bring this up right at the top. Do you guys know the centaur character who lives in the Forbidden Forest? Yeah, Ferenzi. He, oh yes, I remember him. So I am really proficient in the lore of Harry Potter from the books mm. specifically. So I read the books like more than once in my life. Like I've read every Ooh. book more than once. And because like mm. I would do that when I was a kid because like I was in like remedial reading. So like a trick you do is like, okay, you read the book, now read it again. And now you'll really understand it, quote unquote. So that's why I watch I watch a lot of movies more than once. Like I'm like I really study things. So I'm really hip on the lore. I remember a lot of it, and I haven't even read it recently, but I've read it more than once because right. I read things. Well, that would mean, you know, this that episode, you and me, then, Cassie. Yes, we should say <laughs> special guest this episode, Cassie. Um, so pretty much you and me are the HP experts then when it comes to the I book. Love it. Hell yes. I love it. It's a ritual. And I agree really with what is. Jacob said. You're you're the tarot expert. You're kind of our go-to yes. on all things kooky and yeah, cool like that. If you were that. a witch, I'll be you'd, a cult. Be, you'd be really oh, into divination. You would be a prophecy, divination, absolutely. But we want all your Potter history, Cassie. And we got to know Potter more and stuff. Have you sorted yourself? Have you done stuff like that? Yeah, a thousand times, and I'm always Gryffindor. <laughs> like it's it's got to be Gryffindor. Ah! Like I've always wanted to be anything but Gryffindor, but there's every single time I do it, I'm really? not. That's that's what I. Oh, big time! Yeah, absolutely. Ravenclaw, I'm a Leo, not Ravenclaw? just like Harry. Uh, no, no, I've never gotten. I that's the one I want. Like I am a Ravenclaw, Ravenclaw envier. Like I Ravenclaw. wish I were a smart, clever 
like sleek Ravenclaw, but I'm not. I'm a Gryffindor. <laughs> like there's no. Well, you can come hang out in the common room. I hope so. I wish yeah. we saw that more. I think that's not allowed, or is it? Are people allowed to hang out in other people's? Uh, you can mingle. Like I think that's technically against the the Hogwarts rules of going into other houses. See, I would be the queen the of getting around. Um, what are, like the hall yeah. monitors? What are those called? Prefects. Prefects. Yeah, prefect. yeah, that's well, you the hall. I would Harry be all about punking the prefects. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's all Harry and his friends do. do so. Yeah, that's what this is um, all about. This this movie's all about mischief. That's for sure. Little troublemakers. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we're in good hands, at least for expertise on Harry Potter this episode. I, I personally am wearing a shirt with no less than six wolves on it, so I think I'm pretty prepared <laughs> for this episode as well. Notoriously, Mike, you're a werewolf fan, um, and yeah, there's a werewolf yeah, in this yeah. movie. And I like the number three, so it's it's checking all my boxes. Ah, uh, there we go. There Lupin go. is an iconic character. Is Lupin one of your? Is he oh, your yeah. favorite Harry Potter character? I like Lupin. I like Black more, but he also okay. Does, you know, the okay. Dog. Why do you like Black? Haven't so asked. Because they, well, one they get to you could see the crazy side of him, and then you get to see like the good guy side of him when they actually yeah. go back and and save him. So I, I think he's a good uh, godfather. I, hold on. I want to know everybody's. I want to know Cassie. Boy. I want to know your favorite Harry Potter character. We have not done this. What an interesting thing to ask three in. <laughs> right. Who is your favorite character in Harry Potter, Cassie? Tonks. Mary Lupin. She was in The Mandalorian. Yes. She played the, yeah, like that actress is. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. She was in Game of Thrones. Actress. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. She was in Game of Thrones as well. She played the wildling that is with yes. Bran. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Tonks, she's great. Tonks is the best. She's a shapeshifter. She can, like, they do, and they do it kind of, uh, and she, what's cool about her, she would just change her hair all the time, you know? Like she yeah, really she always had like, different colors. Like polymorph, thing. she calls herself yes, or something. She's a yeah, yeah, there's literally scenes in the book where she's, like, changing her nose and stuff to, like, amuse Hermione yeah, and They Jimmy don't take it. It would be a lot no. of work in a film oh, for, sure. <laughs> for the makeup yeah. department to like really lean into that and make it make sense in the story. It could be done, but like they were, she was always changing her appearance for the mood, you know, like she really right. leaned into totally. her abilities. So, totally. but that would be really difficult for people to understand. Oh, that's the same character, but they look completely different. Like that's a hard pitch in a meeting. All right. so. Those are right. two mm. perfect picks. Jacob, who is your favorite Harry Potter character? I mean, of your I was third literally favorite about literary to say franchise. It too. <laughs> um, oh. No, I was literally about to say it. My favorite, all time favorite Harry Potter character is Sirius Black. The best yes. character in all of I didn't mean Harry to Potter. Swoop, yeah. Oh, it's okay. We can have the same favorite. This is I the mean, one for you, right? Then, dude. Right. This is the movie, the book you want to be totally, talking yeah. about, right? Well, I've said it before. I've said it every week. I think my my whole thing is four is the best book, three is the best movie, but three, the book, is also pretty good too. Um, but I will say, you know, yeah, Sirius Black. He's like the he's like the cool uncle for the Harry never knew he had. Um, and I have to say, he's also severely underutilized in the movies in general. Like in this one, he's, it's good. But in the next one, he's like, literally, I think in one scene where he has a conversation with Harry in a fire, like his head's in a fireplace and they literally cut him out. He's of the rest in of the hiding he's, for most. Right. Yeah, he's in hiding, yeah. but he's in more of the book. And then even in the fifth one, I just feel like he's never utilized properly within the movies, but they had to cut stuff for time, obviously. I mean, spoiler alert, he fucking dies and he's the reason five is right. as good as it is. No, yeah, so. it's very, very sad death. Um, like I said before, you know, every father figure or parental figure that Harry has dies. So that's kind of his curse, right? 
um, and we get it with Dumbledore later. So it's a reoccurring thing for him. He can't have anything good, but, you know, that's his life. Just like Luke Skywalker. He uh, loses all of his father totally, figures as well. Totally, totally, yeah. One way or another. So true, Mike. We're just trying to keep track of all the ways Harry Potter is just Star Wars, or at least right. I they're very, they're In both, my mind, you know, I've been doing this journey. There's a werewolf in A New Hope, too. All right, yeah. how about this? Cassie, you're filling in for missing host Joe. I would say favorite character, Neville. We'll find out on another episode, but don't you guys kind of feel that? For Joe? I think his favorite Neville character is, is a muggle that's not involved in the story. <laughs> he really, like, Joe really it's probably Voldemort. Like, Joe really doesn't like fantasy. Like, he really, it just right. is lost on him. Like, unless there's a sci-fi element, he's it just really loses him. So, like, I really don't think he'd have an informed opinion. Because uh, I think he would Cassie, like, Cassie, there's a dragon you know, coming characters. up in this franchise, and I'm so yeah, nervous yeah. for him yeah. to see. Oh, you oh, lose next Joe week, at yeah. dragons. As soon as there's a dragon, Joe's out. <laughs> dragons like, are so cool. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Like, he's out of there. <laughs> so A great dragon, maybe, but yeah. regular ones. Well, the thing you. is with, you know, science fiction and fantasy, it's been said before, but they're very similar genres, right? Because the closer you get to, you know, super advanced technology, at some point it just becomes magic. And, like, we right. have that in this mm-hmm. movie, we have time travel, which can be a sci-fi thing, but now it's a fantasy thing. But it's literally magic is interchangeable with advanced technology that we can't understand right so they're basically the same genre if you think about it yeah that's yeah, certainly closely related more closely related than uh harry and Sirius black even mm. almost a direct relation <laughs> that's right was indirect so I'm the black really family is related to the draco malfoy's family right well yes Aren't they're they one like of related? the well they're all because the whole thing is like the the wizarding world is so small and insular that like all the old blood families are like all related at some point through their, you know, family tree. Um, and we'll get more. Yeah. We'll get more explanation of the black family later in the movies, but um, and it's because they, they were trying to keep it, you know, it was all about the bloodlines, pure bloodlines and all that, not mixing with muggles. Um, but basically Sirius came from this, like basically old, you know, dark family because they have those in the Harry Potter world is just like evil families basically. But he's like, nah, I think I want to be good maybe. And then he got put into Gryffindor and, you know, mm. met James Potter. And, and, from and we'll there, see you know, the one. We'll see him later. The brother, he's the one who gives the Gaunt's ring, right? He's like Regulus right. Black. Well, yeah, he right? um, he takes, he steals the locket, right? That's one of the whole Oh, the later. locket, you're right. Yeah, and he hides the locket in that cave and everything. So, um, but speaking of this movie, so new director this time, right? Goodbye, Chris Columbus. Hello, Alfonso Cuaron, which I think incredible pretty director. much, incredible. yeah, everyone can pretty much agree that he's the best director to ever direct a Harry Potter movie. That's not a super controversial opinion, right? I mean, just look at the other stuff he's done. Children of Men, Gravity, mm-hmm. uh, a personal favorite of mine, Y Tu Mama Tambien, uh, mm. which if you haven't seen that, it's a really, really good movie. Um one of my all yeah, very favorite. talented director yes oscar award winning director that's right do you guys remember that period mike you just said it where three mexican directors were just winning best director like in a row guillermo del toro yeah, and kiran and, and you're just like god damn mexico putting out all yeah. the best directors and i'm a big fan of two of those guys del toro and kiran Inaratu, he's okay but he's not like up there as my one of my favorites but Children of Men, amazing movie. And the one he did literally right before this was E2 Mama Tampion. So imagine 
This is a movie about, you know, two young Mexican boys played by Diego Luna and Gail Garcia Bernal, who basically just go on a road trip and it's like a coming of age movie. Um, and it's totally different than Harry Potter. So to go from this small little like indie coming of age to, you know, a tentpole franchise movie, quite a jump, right? And this is before you made yeah, we've you know, talked- all those other movies, so... Yeah, and we've we've talked about like on the the blockbuster series that we did, like the idea of Hollywood scooping up independent directors and throwing them into like tentpole franchises is not like a new thing. But here's an example of where it actually worked out really well for them, yeah. Especially this movie, and I think this movie is pretty clearly a jump in quality, like film wise, in terms of just cinematography, like the filmic language. Like it's so much. Nothing against Chris Columbus. I think he made. Yeah, I think he made totally, you know, serviceable adaptations, the first two movies, right? But this is like a real movie to me in the way that I don't want to offend you know, Chris Columbus. But um, it's airtight. I almost it's wish. It's really airtight. It's significantly yeah, it shorter is. than the first two. And it's it's yeah, the first one to too. not, you know, literally adapt every single thing from the books, which the first two movies do. He takes liberties and he actually changes stuff. Some things I agree with, some things I don't like. Uh, we'll get into it, but... Um, on that note, Jacob, let's get into it. Let's go ahead and jump over now, Mike. Let's jump in the night bus. I think. And yeah, yeah, over. we're late. We got to get on that night bus. That's, uh, <laughs> let's hit it. Right from the jump, right? With the night bus, you get, you, you know, this isn't your, you know, st- this isn't your normal Harry Potter, okay? This is like, has a totally zany, chaotic energy, like through the whole thing that starts off right away, you know, him blowing up his aunt and then getting on the night bus. There's the talking heads, which is, you know, questionably culturally insensitive, maybe, <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah. it's just so zany, the, the right? The conductor of the night bus is like a different kind of character yeah. and like. And I, tone even right, and I think this is totally where the franchise goes from like stereotypical like wizard school to like actually having its own sense of identity and like style where it's not like it, I don't know it just has like an aesthetic that's different than the first two, which really kind of takes on its own identity. Do you guys agree? I agree. And is some of that coming out of Cassie? I want to ask you, like, out of the book, does the book kind of also, it has this darker kind of vibe that's different compared to the first two. Is is that right? So the Prisoner of Azkaban is the divine simulacrum of practical and digital effects. (laughs) So just like Jumanji is like a beloved film because, like, they really pull off when to do digital and when to do practical. And when practical works, it slaps. And when digital works, it slaps. And, like, they really nail it. They really, really nail it. Yeah, that's one thing that I really like about this movie is, like, there's so much going on within the frame at all times. Like, there's just random stuff, like, wizards and witches doing weird things just in the corner of the frame and like they animals really and like underutilize the ghosts though. The ghosts are a much bigger part of the Harry Potter that's world. That's true. Right. Yeah, the yeah, ball, like they're true. really no their more own characters and they're a big part of the plot. Like the lady, the portrait who guards, um, they're really big characters. Yeah. The portraits and are that's, like really integral to the plot in the third movie. You know, some things were definitely condensed for the movie and there's some changes that I'm not a big fan of. There's some changes that, that make sense why they, you know, have to do it that way. Um, 
One thing that I don't like is the they never give an explanation. So the map, Harry's dad and his friends, all that you know stuff, it's all connected. And this, the film never really kind of gives you the context that if you read the book that you would understand, like Harry's dad and his friends are the ones who created that map. That's never even explicitly said in the movie. But, you know, the Messrs, Padfoot, Prongs, and Mooney, and Wormtail, right? Those are Sirius and Remus and James Potter and Peter Pettigrew. Uh, we should have said those I for our names. I think it's subtle. It's, yeah. Well, it's subtle, yeah. but they don't explain like they do in the book where, so Sirius is an animagus, of a, he can become a dog. James Potter could become a deer. Peter Pettigrew can become a rat. And they did that because their friend was a werewolf. So the, the Shrieking Shack, the Whomping Willow, that's all connected too. They built the Shrieking Shack for a place so that Lupin would have a place to go to transform safely and his friends would become animals to like be with him when he transforms. And the Whomping Willow was planted specifically because there's a secret passage that goes to the Shrieking Shack to keep other people out. So that's all connected and that's never explained as much in the movies, right? It's not, and then the big detriment, like you're saying, is is that you kind of have to give it up. J.K.'s doing great work here. Like, it is so explicitly so well put together in the book because, totally. like, we talked about. In the last one, Whomping Willow is just a thing. You can feel her in this one be going, like, everything I've introduced. Why don't I just, like, use every part of that? You know, right. if something's British, like, if there's a double-decker bus, I will just turn that up to 11 and I will make that the night bus. <laughs> you know, you can really feel her just, like, using everything everything around her using all of her past story to just kind of keep building and developing. And Cassie, are you one of these people who thinks it should be page to screen? Do you want the TV show version where it's literally all of it's getting adapted? I don't want to go out giving free ideas, but I just really don't understand why there's not like an animated Harry Potter series somewhere. Like, come on, Uh, like, do I think like, come on, like that is maybe that's the way to do it. Cartoon. Absolutely. I think it's magic. Yeah, I Hello. wish I almost wish there was a director's cut of the later movies that's just like four hours long and it literally is a direct <laughs> adaptation of the books and they they add everything that they had to cut for time. Because I think there is a divide between like the the Harry Potter purists, the book purists, might not like this movie as much, even though I think it's the best in the series. It does take some liberties at times, which the purists might be like, Well, that's not, you know, how it is in the books. But um you know, I think that was necessary because otherwise the, with these longer books, especially with Goblet of Fire, which is way longer, these movies would be like five hours long. Yeah, it's the Tom Bombadil effect. So you got to lose some stuff <laughs> in order to make a concise narrative in the, these type of adaptations. I want to ask, we kind of identified, a, you know, the Philosopher, Sorcerer's Stone is like the classic adventure coming of age kind of movie crossing the threshold. Then we have a murder mystery in Chamber of Secrets. What yes. genre do we consider kind of... Prisoner of Azkaban to be? Well, I think this is, I don't know if it's a genre, but this is kind of the coming of age from their turning, you know, from preteen to actual teenager. You're starting to see some some hints of romance between Ron and Hermione. Hormones are raging, Jacob. Hormones. They're going through puberty, all that good stuff. It's just um, literally the maturation of the characters and the franchise. Cassie, would you agree or disagree with that statement? Well, I don't believe in genre, number one. Uh, number two, I don't know why. I keep going back to Jumanji. I've never thought about Prisoner of Azkaban <laughs> and Jumanji so much at the same time. But really, like that, what do you consider Jumanji? An action adventure? 
I would consider action adventure Jumanji uh, and also Prisoner of Azkaban action too. adventure. Yeah. Like, like, a game no, board. like let go of even just fantasy. Like it is an action adventure movie. Like, you know, and Indiana I think Jones. also Yeah, I think Star there's Wars. a a mystery to it. Like the first two have mystery as well, but this one, I mean, the biggest red herring twist of like the whole s- series, with the exception of maybe the Snape twist at the very end, basically. But <laughs> right. the red herring of Sirius Black, where he's built up like, oh, he's this he's this huge Voldemort supporter. He's going to kill Harry. He's a murderer. Yeah. And then it gets totally twisted on its head at the end. I think that's really well done. I think you mean a red um, tail, Jacob. A little red scabbard tail. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. And like you said, Colin, like I said last week, J.K. Rowling is really good at laying out all these little pieces and then connecting them in a way that makes sense at the end to the degree they even do it, you know, with the Whomping Willow. We saw it last year. And even Scabbers, Ron's rat that's been around actually since the first book, now has this whole backstory. So she's just really good at, you know, tying those things in, like you said. This is the first time I've watched these movies. I'd be curious for you guys, too, where I've had the overarching story so much in my mind where I am looking at little moments, Jacob, where I'm like, okay, the first time Dumbledore was introduced, he actually does use that light stealer thing. Which when I was a kid right. reading those books, I was like, it's so dumb that he leaves Ron some like weird thing that I don't remember. But now I'm kind of oh, like, yeah, oh, literally actually, in the he does first use book. that. Yeah, and, and it, then it, Jacob in, the in first this book, one, and then it comes. We've yeah. well, we've got an introduction of a character in this one. We've been talking about it a lot, but new Dumbledore. And when new Dumbledore That's is introduced, right. he gives a speech about light. I'm like, light is associated with Dumbledore in a really interesting way throughout these this book series. Or I'm like, all right, JK, you are fucking good. What do you want me to say? Yeah. JK's good and at killing say, her darlings, which yes. a lot of people are afraid to do. Like, Sirius oh, Black yeah. dies, I mean, and it's both of your guys' favorite character, and his death mm-hmm. is like Yeah, she a kills a bunch moment. of her good characters. Dumbledore, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with, um, with the new Dumbledore, I said it before, you know, Richard Harris was my Dumbledore, but I got to give it to Michael Gambone <laughs> this time. Um, you're right, Colin. Comes it that, hot. You know, Richard Harris would have been so old by the eighth movie. It would have been like funny. insane if he, if he was still alive. But Michael Gambone, he's a, a younger, more spry Dumbledore, right? More energy. Um, but yeah, still, you know, just a little, uh, not maybe the best, uh, guardian for children, but, um, no. just a do you cool like guy, this though. sweet old man, Cassie? Is this your Dumbledore opposed to the original one? When I was younger, I really liked the OG stoic Dumbledore. And I love that you say he would have technically been too old, but I love the idea in a world where like it would, he did look impossibly old and that's just where he oh, had right. like calcified for a while. So if he could have pulled it off, <laughs> but you're right, like physically, there no way. But even oh, in the second arted, movie. They Picture him up against him. Ray Fiennes like a scarecrow or a puppet. Like they would have <laughs> manipulated that man. It would not have been good. Right. Well, watching Chamber of Secrets, it was always like, oh, he like even his energy is like, oh, he's like about to die on screen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> He was so old by that point. I love that about him. It was spooky and mysterious. <laughs> he yes. brought it. But, it. but later you have Dumbledore dueling in the fifth or sixth movie with Voldemort and everything. It's like he wouldn't have been able to do all that physical stuff. 
I mean, how physical is it? I mean, you hold your arm out and then make a tired face. I mean, like, how, how physically exerting can doing that? I'm watching movement. these and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm beat. It's like, you're just saying a word. Well, it takes a know? lot of mental energy to do spells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, hold it's on, like hold on, because we're getting the introduction of, the of a really cool charm this time, guys. We pretty much get Harry Potter's signature motherfucking spell. It's almost like what he Patronus. knows in the Force the most. Kamehameha. Right? Expecto Patronum, a person right, Patronus. Which, so the another pet peeve of mine. So this movie does have some pet peeves, even though it is my favorite. One thing I don't like about it, the Patronus is portrayed a little bit differently than it is in the books and even later in the movies. Because the whole thing with Patronus is, is like it's supposed to be an animal. Like he does make an animal at the end. But the whole animal thing, it's like every person has their unique Patronus animal. That's like almost like their spirit animal. I don't this think they did a good job explaining it. isn't it? <laughs> this, this is why you're a upset. lot of things it's do. Not, yeah. This is um, a big but no, reason. But later in the movies, you see, hard. and they act like it's a super hard thing, but it's really only hard if you're a third year, you know, child. Like because later everyone's doing it when they have the Order of the Phoenix and everything, Dumbledore's army or whatever. So, um, but overall, yeah, Patronuses are cool. They'll be portrayed a little differently later and a little more tru- truthfully to the books later in the movies. Is this a Pottermore thing? Uh, did I miss out that part? Can we all know our Patronus if you have done that? <laughs> uh, I don't, think I don't I know if there's mine. a test for that, but it's just whatever. What's your favorite animal? That's probably oh, what your okay. Patronus Cassie, is. Cassie, what's your favorite animal? What's your Patronus? <sighs> Putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. You can only answer probably once. And you can't lion. ever change probably it. Probably definitely I a was going to say cat family yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah, a lion or a tiger. Which is Mine would be a mongoose. Quite the heavy hitter Patronus. Oh, a nice. mongoose? <laughs> mongoose <laughs> is a cool. red panda. Nice. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're rewinding <laughs> to both of these. Why red <laughs> panda? Like, why mongoose? They're Jacob? so cute. Mongooses are very cute. Mongooses are awesome. They're like weasels or ferrets, but they also are snake boy. Are notoriously you saying in your snake soul fighters? is a snake eater? Yeah, that's that's. Well, I like Colin, snakes you have to too. Tell us yours, Colin. But yours? mongooses are I the would... most badass rodent because they fight snakes and win against snakes. So they're pretty. They're still, badass. the rodent here though. I, mine would be like a snake or something mean. It would be like a, like a cat that was like, like a shaved cat. Something and I'd be like, mean. I got this sphinx cat. That oh, you'd be like a hairless sense. cat. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, a sphinx cat. That's badass. Uh, it'd be mean, um, though. He'd be small All good choices. Mean. Yeah. All good choices. According um, to Hermione, they used to worship cats in ancient Egypt in this movie. I learned that from her. Yeah. Crookshanks uh, is so cute. I love the cat they cast as Crookshanks. He's kind of big. Crookshanks like, yeah. is cute as hell on this. We'll talk about her in a sec because especially I know you want to talk about Hermione, Cassie, because this is a movie where you should call this Hermione Granger and the Prisoner of Azkaban because she is right. fucking bumping she in this movie. She busts out. Well, I she mean, she's does. a feminist icon for she's the smartest sucker punching wizard, Draco Malfoy. And they mm-hmm. really punched that up in the movie. And it's so... That was a well, big moment for Hermione because she was like... She really wanted to lash out, but she knew her power, and she just does it in such a raw way, and it's, right. it's just, it really fits. And Draco is just such a little shit in this movie, even compared to the first two. Like, he literally basically causes a hippogriff to almost be murdered. I mean, like, that's kind of unforgivable. Like, you're just a piece of shit if you do that, And he just right? laughs about it. Yeah, he's yeah. a piece of shit. So I don't think he, he was truly Potter evil a lot until, less, though. Yeah. 
Potter. No, but more slurs, Mike. This is his phase where he's <laughs> right. like a kid in high school who's like Eminem. He's like dyed his hair that color yeah. now, and he's, he's like on saying the wrong stuff to the wrong. People. I never trust oh, yeah. girls who are like super attracted to like bad Malfoy. I'm like, there's something Ooh. in you that is gonna make you <laughs> suffer. <laughs> like, uh oh. Yeah, he does have. I mean, he has a different hairstyle in this one. He's got the emo boy hair instead of the slick back look. Um, you know, I think all of Malfoy's hairstyles are great. Um, I just want to copy all of them, but <laughs> one for every season. Um, this is also like we get out of the wizard robes. We're just kind of in street clothes for the oh. most part in this. So which this is, another is my big change. Yeah, this is another big pet peeve of mine. This is a decision that I guess they made. I'm not sure. I totally agree with it. But yeah, they're just wearing normal ass Muggle clothes, jeans and hoodies, and <laughs> fucking Muggle clothes. <laughs> but if you read the books, like the whole thing is like. Actually, wizards don't understand muggle. Like, they don't wear pants. They don't wear that shit. And they don't even understand it. When they try to wear it, like, to, to blend in, they always, like, wear super weird-looking clothes because they don't understand how it works because they're wizards. They always wear robes. If you're on Hogwarts campus, you're wearing your school robes. You're not wearing muggle clothes. So that's a little pet peeve I have with this movie. Cassie, how do you feel about it? I completely disagree. I know. That's <laughs> Why? a dumb part of the book. If it Like, no. I didn't... Yeah, like I don't know. I think they the wouldn't whole be wearing they wouldn't be wearing those clothes. Device in the books, it was not very modern, and now times have changed, and they absolutely would be wearing Muggle clothes and enjoying the hell out of no, it. No, because That's just the way it is. The whole point is mm-hmm. that the Wizarding world is so insulated from what Muggles do that they don't even understand. Well, they're the going to change that. It shouldn't be like that. And agree, his friends are going to change. Here's my take on it. it. Cinematically, don't you guys think the the changes that he makes, where literally you get the personality built into what the characters are wearing. Harry's tie is pulled back wrong. You know, Ron's shirt is always untucked. Doesn't wear the coat. Hermione, Hermione, spotless. Her hair, amazing. Her hair, Cassie. Her oh, that's hair, what my hair looks movie, like. The, the highlights. Looks so fucking good. She looks great. My sister looked a lot like uh, young Emma Watson. And uh, when she used to I wear believe. hair and braids and then let it go out, she like literally, she could be a stunt double. Like she would look just like her. It's crazy. Yeah. Hi, Ken's. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Thanks for listening. Um, yeah. My, my take is kind of on Cassie's side here where I think, especially if you're having muggle born wizards in your school, there's going to be a base knowledge of at least clothing. Well, and I think pants have been around since no, ancient yes. Mesopotamia. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> but like I, a myth. I'm just saying, <laughs> if you go by that. the book purism, like Hermione would know, would understand muggle As clothes, written, yes. right. But first of all, if you're in, if you're on a Hogwarts, if you're in school at Hogwarts, you would be wearing school robes. I think they made that decision one for, you know, marketability to see them in like normal clothes and just practicality of them like running around and stuff. It's easier to do in pants than than robes, but that's not how it would have been in the books. Just saying, it that's is, maybe it is interesting that a big part of like, you know, the extended merchandising is in buying your robes and your stuff for your house, right. but a lot of these later movies don't really feature that. So it's interesting that, that kind of. Yeah, and I think the overall, the way they start doing magic in the later, the David Yates movies, it becomes almost like they wanted to make it look cooler, to appeal to people more. So I just have a little bit of a problem, but I understand why they make these decisions. And if they want to make a departure from the original, more kind of kid-focused movies, I think changing kind of the clothing style, like it definitely succeeds if we're looking at just Prisoner of Azkaban 
in a vacuum, it definitely helps it kind of create that more grounded and realistic and darker tone, I think, also. But that's just me. Mike, you just sang the first uh, title of this film right now, Prisoner of Azkaban, reminded mm-hmm. me, I wanted to ask you this, Cassie, have you been watching along? Did you watch the other two films before you watched this one, or did you just watch this one for this podcast today? If I've seen the first two movies probably more times than I've ever cared to in my life. I've seen them so many times. Literally, they were holiday movies. That's what we're I finding. Watch yeah. both of them, like the first and second. So totally. the third one, I would watch the third one year round. If someone, if I went to a party and it was on, I would be elated. I'd be like, oh, what a great film. For Let's sure. watch this. Like, great, perfect film. Um, yeah. What was the question? <laughs> 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 did you watch the other two before this one or did you just go into not, this one cold? I did not, but I cold? did watch this one. I did lose interest later in this one because I realized how many times <laughs> I had seen it. And I also, so I've been playing Hella Sims. I've had oh, sure. um, Realm of Magic. So that's, I have Harry Potter Sims and I also just got they the Star Harry Wars Potter expansion Sims? pack. So they have Star Wars. That it's like Legos, they just have Sims. different... They do different like intellectual properties. You go to Galaxy's Sims. Edge and it's a vacation oh. and it's Galaxy's a different Edge. world. So I have like a lot of witches. I have a ton of witches and my witches don't have their magic powers in Batu. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And like vampires don't work the same. Like the different types oh, of people. when you like, sell you really them to the down. other realm. This is blowing yeah, my mind. You- I think my conception <laughs> of the sim- what The Sims is is like totally different than what it is now. I, the Sims is one of the, oh, I've been playing Sims. Sims has magic Sims you guys should do a Sims episode mm-hmm. next year. We'll have you back. Like, we'll have you back. So but I am yeah. happy to hear. So you didn't watch those first two. Going into this third one, how does it work as just like a weird standalone movie when you're just kind of watching it? Are you like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm caught up on everything that's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. everyone knows the basics of Harry Potter. Everybody knows Harry Potter. That. Well, like I was saying it before. It works on its own. I think... Alfonso Cuaron does such a good job that I almost wish, and I don't wish this because obviously he went on to make really good movies that are ultimately better than any of the Harry Potter movies, but I almost wish that he stayed on as the David Yates who just kept doing them for the rest of the series. Because that, I mean, those movies would have turned out totally differently and probably better. Um, Because eventually, you know, next one is Mike Newell, and then it's David Yates for the rest of including the Fantastic Beasts. Like he just and what is David Yates? He's is he known for Pirates of the Caribbean? Is that what he directed? No, I don't think he. This was like his first big thing. Really, was was the um, Order of the Phoenix, the fifth movie, and then they just liked the direction he took it in. I guess J.K. Rowling did, so they just kept him on. He finished out the series, and he did the two Fantastic Beasts, which is like you watch those, you're like, oh, I thought you know. He did actually used to make good Harry Potter movies at one point. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, if, if just imagine if Alfonso Cuaron, like I wouldn't want to box him in creatively like that, but if he did the rest of the movies, it would be a totally different series. Well, if only someone could I be want those other guys we listed. Oh, I was saying if he could be in two places at once, he could have done the Harry Potter movies and his other films, and you know maybe the Time Turner. Someone could have come gave him handy. a Time Turner. What do we think about the Time Turner? That's a big device that's pretty controversial, Cassie. Let me throw it to you. Time Turner as a uh, as a literary device, is it cheating, and why don't they use it more later? 
I love that McGonagall was the one who gave it to Hermione because that's such a chaotic thing to do. And like McGonagall is like misruling. Like she's kind of a narc. Like she's pretty fair, I feel like. Like she won't give special, like if you're a Gryffindor, she won't go easy on you. Like she's She won't sign Harry's permission slip. For her to give that to Hermione is such a But it's only for mature students, right? Hermione is so mature for her age. She, she shouldn't have given her class. the time turner. <laughs> she shouldn't have even given no, her the time. Well, because f- it's like it's a dangerous thing to have. Yeah, well, because it should be one of the Deathly Hollows. I mean, that thing is motherfucking powerful. Well, yeah, they introduced this basically time travel, right? And then the funny thing is that Hermione, the best thing Hermione can think to do with it is to take extra classes at school, like. <laughs> Why not? Why not use it to, to do, like? But yeah. chaotic you know, consequences. I, but maybe use it to and like go back and take divination, kill Voldemort. Which she hates and is bad. No, at. she can't step so on butterflies. Mad she's bad at it. Yeah, she's doing yeah. schoolwork. It's it's the problems that you have anytime you introduce time travel into anything. Which is like, okay, now that we know time travel exists, why not use that to solve so many problems in the world? Well, that's the whole problem with time travel and storytelling, right? I would just use it to bet on the Quidditch well, to Mike's World Cup. Question. <laughs> Well, I liked what you said, Mike. Why in later movies isn't Voldemort just like holding one and going like, oh, Bellatrix, they killed like three of my Horcruxes? Okay, I'll be right back. do 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 Which could be interesting, right. but yeah, no. it's a very powerful device. And then when you see like Dumbledore just and like, I think they, they, again, being irresponsible, like uh, maybe you should go back in time, you know? I think they do explain it a little bit in the book. So it's like they're heavily regulated by the Ministry of Magic. They're only used for, you know, special things like taking extra classes, I guess. Um, but Dumbledore, yeah, Dumbledore telling them to use it for those other reasons, that's technically not allowed. You know, if the Ministry of Magic knew about that, he'd be in trouble. So. Thousand points for Gryffindor. She doesn't have a lot of one-offs from what we've been talking about, JK. So I'm kind of surprised she never goes back to it. It totally makes sense to me then that the entire basis of that stage Broadway play is alternate dimensions, time turners, all that stuff. Because if you were right. one of those writers, you would be like, well, I got to explain the time travel device. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And, you, you know, they can say, oh, it's too powerful to even like mess with it. But it's like you're dealing with Voldemort, you know, you're dealing with life and death consequences later. Like, why not use it? Like, you have to use everything at your disposal, including time travel. But like I said, you know, it would cause storytelling problems. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you, can but, use um, it, if you can use it to clear the name of one falsely accused murderer, why not use it to save the entire world? <laughs> Scale. Well, you got in one hippogriff. You know, in one hippogriff. One hippogriff right, and one More guy. than one life. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cassie, what do you think when Buckbeak gets its head cut off? We don't see it, but you just hear that grim like, oh no, and like a squaws, the axe like drops. I thought a lot about that this watch, and I've decided that I love it because, <laughs> you know, from where they were at, they couldn't really see what he was chopping, yeah. and it was safe to assume that Buckbeak had died. I think, and I think they shoot it really well. So like that, because that was... If you weren't able to shoot that and make that make sense in the context of like the film language, what did you call it? Filmage? What did filmic, you call it, Jacob? Filmic language filmic or cinematic language. Filmic language, yeah. yeah. If you couldn't nail that sequence and like that element, which unfortunately takes up so much time, but they do right. it, they get it done, and it makes sense. And that's tricky. It's tricky to translate novel, like some 
devices that are used in novels and the right. stories in novels to films. Very true. And this is a really great example of how they make that work. Because I thought really hard about, does it work that he's chopping a pumpkin? I'm like, yes, it does. You just really wanted to chop something, right? The yeah, executioner. Well, yeah, it's just it's just a thing they want to do. Like, well, this is here. I'm going to chop something. And if you look, like Dumbledore's already turning the attention and acting like, oh, well, yeah. weird. Yeah, Dumbledore knows trip. because he's just like all knowing, well, basically. Yeah, he plays. He it like cool. distracts Cornelius Fudge yeah. at one point. But um, this is something I want to get into. So the entire last hour of the movie all takes place on this one night. Right, we get this whole big climax of the movie. Um, dealing with first the you know uh, Buckbeak execution, then everything with Sirius Black, and uh, Snape comes in, and then you know what happens? Uh, Harry Potter wakes up in the hospital, just like the first two movies. But then we get this whole mm-hmm. extra portion where they go back in time and redo it all, and they see it from the outside perspective. So Harry I do Potter think Endgame, I agree with you. That's all really well. Yeah, it is. It is a lot. You know, you could say Endgame stole it from Harry Potter. Um, no, but, um, yeah, I think that whole climax, whole one hour of the last movie of the whole movie is like just really well sequenced, I think. And, you know, you get the, you get some cool things with the, the time turner where, you know, Harry's like, oh, it's my dad. My dad is going to save us with his Patronus. And then he realizes, oh, it's not his dad. It's him. He's the one doing that. And then he knew that he could do it because he had done it before. So and I that's think- the secret of magic right there is that is it. Like <laughs> totally. that's what I love about this movie is the secret of magic is your belief in it. Just, and the power yeah, just believe in yourself. So yeah, uh, I love that they tie it into, oh, I'm my dad. It's like, no, you're not your dad. You're you and you have the power. You have right. the power to save yourself, which is that is the message of this. And like it's perfect. It's so empowering. It's exactly what everybody, especially kids that age, need to hear. You don't have to rely on anybody but you. That's it. Totally. That's all you have. And for the first time when I was watching this, I have never seen, I saw Harry very far and and he was just a blur oh, when we're huh. looking at the Patronus and you're so focused on the Patronus and how beautiful it looks and the digital effects are fantastic. I've never noticed him back there, but you can see a figure Right. Wow. And so that's why he thinks it's his dad. Yeah. I've never people have been telling him his whole life, Oh, you look like your dad, except your eyes, you have your mother's eyes, blah, blah, blah. But he's like, Oh, so that must be my dad. No, it was him. He just had to believe in himself. So yeah. Great stuff. Um, and then Hermione, you know, basically, like you said, Colin, just running the show in the third act. And Ron kind of gets sidelined in this one, but I was thinking about it like in Chamber of Sequence. Uh, Literally, yeah. Hermione basically, yeah. Hermione basically gets sidelined in the climax of the last one, right? So it makes sense now. She's kind of running the show in this one, and Ron kind of gets sidelined. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah, running the show. She's always running the show. She's always. Yeah, well, I mean, she figured out. She figured out the mystery in the last one. Then she got petrified. She's always like one step ahead of Harry and Ron, basically. Mm -hmm. And you know. Uh, Ramus and Sirius Black are even like, yeah, you're the you're the brightest wizard, you know, your age or witch your age, you know, and right. Shows through. Like, but Sirius, how many witches my age do you know? You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah. he was a student once. And again, we sort of have the story formula of staying ahead of it all. Get a repeat of Snape, 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 Snape. It's got to be Snape who's doing this. Snape is the bad guy. I'm sure he's helping Sirius Black. He was a Death Eater too. Uh, you know, we, we've got to stop him. We've got to stop him. He's being so weird. 
Again, Harry is kind of putting his faith in the wrong person. It's good that he does it with Remus. Like, it's important that they do have that connection. But he, it's interesting what you said, Jacob, about his his adult figures in his life. Because he is so willing to just put trust in anybody and then just be like, oh, I can't believe you pulled the rug out from me. <laughs> That's a Leo thing. Um, Harry is a um, Leo. And, like, Leos are all about, like, trusting the wrong person. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very and just the fact people. that he's an orphan and he's just desperate for a family. And so he latches on to any kind of parental figure. Um, But again, we have Snape really actually trying to look out for the students once again, but coming to the wrong conclusion of basically, and he has his own personal biases against Sirius Black and Remus um, and Harry's dad, as we'll find out later, but he's literally trying to protect the students, but he just fucks everything up by, you know, attacking Sirius. Um, and then of course, Remus. Uh, Jacob, it would be like yeah. you and I are best friends. If I was conning you our entire friendship to kill Lucy, the dog, the dog you live with. <laughs> like if I was like, now shut up, get out of the way. Lucy wronged me 10 years ago. Right. And you'd be like, well, this is why you're friends with me. Right. Um, but the other, the, like the deus ex machina of this movie that I don't like so much is that in the, in the books. So Remus is, Remus Lupin is a werewolf, right? Mm-hmm. It, but for some reason, he doesn't realize this one particular night, it's about to be the full moon. When you think being a werewolf most he's of your life, you know. He's in a time crunch. Yeah, he yeah, does he's not busy. have control he's of what's going on there. preoccupied, but it's like, you should probably know when it's about to be a full moon. You'd be aware of those know. the cycles of the moon, as it were. Um, well, that's why Snape right. has to step in and teach, and he right. sucks at it. And you realize oh, he this tries is why to point Snape out that teaches because he's kind of like bad at teaching yeah. his class. Mm. And even with the with the the Bogart, you see when Lupin jumps in front, it turns into a moon. Right? Even in the books, I think that's a little better done because in the books, it's just described as like a bright orb, and you don't specifically know it's the moon, so it kind of leaves it a little right. more mysterious. In this one, as soon as you see the moon, it's like, oh, why would he be afraid of the moon? Oh, he's probably a werewolf, right? Um, <laughs> well, so what would the, the Bogart be better. for you guys, Jacob? Would it be a big spider? You said that last uh, week. Maybe. Probably, you know, probably similar to Ron. I have, you know, I used to have arachnophobia pretty bad. Yeah. Mine would be a needle. I don't like needles. So. Mine would be um, the electric bill. Mine would be <laughs> me me failing at something because fail- failure is the my greatest fear. Just believe in yourself. Oh, Cassie, yes, Bogart. what about you? You got one? You willing to air this on, on national radio? Yeah. I, I can't. No, I have no. one. I can't give away. We'll just my say ridiculous fear. to it and yeah. send it away. I know what my ridiculous would be. I have all your teeth falling infinite, out. Infinite <laughs> amount of response, but that fear will probably never change. All right. <laughs> but right. I have responses. Sure. That's good. That's good. And so another thing is that's. I like about Harry Potter in general is the naming, right? When I was younger, I thought it was very clever. She's really good at naming things. Not the most subtle things as you get older, like Remus Lupin is a werewolf, right? Remus, Romulus and Remus, and then Lupine is like wolf, wolf, yeah. right? So the signs are in front of you. Sirius Black, Sirius is the dog constellation. Um, there's all kinds of these you know, little clues. It's a star in the constellation of Okay, yes. Major. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Astrology, Cassie. Um, <laughs> Divination. But I just like the... Just, Cassiopeia. <laughs> Cassiopeia. Cassiopeia, yeah. Perfect. Uh, you know what? When I saw this time, Jacob, I, I zeroed in on the Marauder's map the one time it was flipped open. 
Argus Filch. I was Argus thinking about Filch. Joe. We get a very nice, when the fat lady later is running from her painting, we get a close-up of Miss Norris. And I was like, ah, Joe, where are you, buddy? <laughs> Cassie, do you think that cat can use magic? Uh, Jacob and I disagree. <laughs> I hope so, because I hope Crookshanks is out there somehow catching mice with magic. Cause she I think they all can. Magic. I think I she actually- can. Colin, you might oh, be you know, on something. Hold on, Jacob. This is yeah. evidence to to my side. They use frogs as instruments in this movie. That makes me think all animals are magic. Yeah, that's another thing. It's like, like I said, Alfonso Cuaron just kind of adds, just makes shit up sometimes. And like this choir thing when they come into Hogwarts, like singing. Like I don't think that's in the book. It's just you know, he's like, let's have a choir. It's definitely Why not. not. <laughs> and I remember everyone like seeing the movie and they're like. They make this choir sing, and there's these singing toads. It's stupid. I remember. I remember. No, that. you guys are so yeah, wrong. It's it it so hard. The moment of the transition, the score that it hits, we go from the choir, the big scene where they're eating, up to kind of a boys' night where Harry's playing poker and eating food yes. with the kids. It's a shot outside. The score is just hitting like insane from that choir. We transition to snow. Still lightly. Ah, I mean, it just fucking smashes this time, guys. Well, two points I want to make. Um, two things I really love about this movie. One is that it cuts out some things in the book, but it the things that it chooses to focus on sometimes are these nice little intimate moments between friends, like with Harry and his friends in the in the Gryffindor common room, right? Just hanging out, just doing you know friend stuff. You know, that's not just important to the plot. Dudes. Just guys <laughs> being yeah. dudes. Um, not important in the plot at all, but just this nice to see that these characters actually do like interact with each other and have these moments. And then the other thing I love about this movie is just the sense of the geography of Hogwarts in the grounds that we get. We're constantly seeing these sweeping landscapes. Um, we see this bridge all of a sudden that, that we've never seen before. There's a clock tower that we've never seen. All these big rocks and stuff outside. Like it's just so beautiful, and it's like you see so much of the grounds that you don't see in the first two movies. That I just it really gives you a sense of Hogwarts as a place. We even go off grounds, Mike. This is the first time they get to go to Hogsmeade. Now, none of us went to boarding school, but come on, buddy. You have to think it is so weird that they're like, and you can finally leave. You know, you can go check out the little city right by here. Yeah, they get to go on a little field trip. Not Harry, though, because you don't have parents. So you stay here. Right, which, are, <laughs> which is, which is another up. funny thing about just the world of the wizarding world. It's like you can do anything you can imagine, but there's still these very strict rules. And if you don't have a permission <laughs> slip from your parents or guardians... <laughs> You can't go. And also McGonagall, like you said, she she's very by the book. But like she knows Harry's home situation. She knows that he lives with his like awful. People are in denial about that because she put him in that home situation. So that's right. a complicated uh, relationship. It's like you can't make an exception him. for him. Um, yeah. Another thing in the books that I don't think they mention in the movies at the end, Sirius signs his permission slip so that in future years he's allowed to go oh. to Hogsmeade. So as and she lets amazing. it count, she yeah. she lets it count. She's like, yeah, so, you did it. This yeah, that's a moment. This is a guardian. Mm-hmm. I probably would have included that in the movie, but um, what these important like background familial through lines that Curon chooses to take out. He's not the screenwriter of this film, but again, you have to just assume like he's a great storyteller. Why would you take that stuff out? Why would you take the Marauders right. Map Dad stuff out? Yeah, that's really perplexing to me. And they do. I mean. You can put the clues together, but as if you've never read the books and you've only seen the movies, you might not put it fully together. But the name, the nickname, I like that it's subtle. That's filmmaking. I love that mm. they were like subtle about it because it was like if they right. were any hit, 
I don't need to see anyone. I don't need to see dialogue about that. I don't need to see a, a I definitely don't need a flashback. Like just no. Right. Yeah. You want one like a clumsy exposition to explain it all. But I just think if you're not a book reader, you might've missed some, some kind of important context to all that. But, I mean, is it important to this story that they're telling right now? I mean, it seems the story that they're telling is Sirius Black I is going to be the red herring. But I, I guess the fact that... The whole reason mm-hmm. that Sirius is an Animagus in, in Peter Pettigrew is because they did it while Lup- they were in school with Lupin, uh, you, you know, because they were all best friends. I don't think the movie hits on that relationship hard enough. We got to know why he's the black dog. Well, we get to... Right. I mean... I- and why... Pettigrew is a rat. You know, there's a specific reason. Well, because they they're, they're that wizards. James Potter was a deer. I don't give a shit That's about that, though. This yeah. is a deer. Like, to be fair, I think it, as an audience, right? <laughs> I'm playing the devil's advocate. Yeah, Mike's right. Like, I, I know right, that right. Remus and, and Sirius are friends, and he's like, this is not you. Your true heart is, is in here. You're a man. You know, that is that kind That's of That's one of my favorite scenes, too. And I like, wouldn't have felt better like knowing the, about James being a deer, is all I'm saying. Well, I think it works better with the Patronus moment of Harry's Patronus being the deer, but that yeah. one scene where he's transforming, he's like, "You, what? You're in here. You're in your heart." Like that. I love that scene because that's where you see like the bond between Lupin and Sirius that you don't really get for most of the movie. Um, well, let's talk about really the men behind that, Jacob. So the two new actors for this one is David Thewlis, of course. People might know as the bad guy in Wonder Woman. I guess would probably yeah, be Ares. the most normie. He's been in a yeah. He's a he's been in out. a lot of stuff, and in, in, you know he was the heavy in parts. '80s action movies. That's kind of what I remember him as. But he's he's really kind of turned that career around to a classic British thespian. British but then, guy, of course. Yeah. Gary Oldman, who you would know Gary from Oldman. every movie ever made. Of course. Gary Oldman, one of the one of the great um actors of his ability to just transform into a role between like from movie to movie just looks totally different. Great method actor, um, really disappears into roles. And I think he kills it as this one, even though, like I said, he's underutilized in the movies as a whole. I wish we had more of Sirius, because he's my favorite character. Yeah, Gary Oldman makes that character for me just when he's being crazy serious, it's so over the top. And when he's being serious, serious, it's like, okay, and he's like very serious. genuine and heartfelt for Harry. Yeah, Gary Oldman really like. Well, it reports to life. have come out, Mike and Cassie. I want your take on this. So, uh, Daniel Radcliffe has said the reason he stepped up his acting game is Gary Oldman would just scream at him. You know, for takes, he would say, why aren't you getting this? Why aren't you crying? You know, feel these things. And he would get so worked up that Daniel Radcliffe would just have like breakdowns and they would film it a little more method. Are you liking that? Was Daniel Radcliffe good in this one for you, Cassie, as Harry Potter? I think Daniel Radcliffe is a great actor. Um, For me, Equus was like, okay, Daniel Radcliffe's going to like really be someone. Hell yes. Um, And like, yeah, I think he's he's a really great actor. I haven't seen Swiss Army Man. Um. He looks very uh, young, that's great. so it's going to be hard for him to get like the roles that he needs to get now. Right. Um, but I think he's a great actor. Yeah, I, th- I, I wish think theater were more of a thing. He should still do theater. He's a we've critiqued him in our last two, so we're curious. Jacob, better this time, yes? Yeah, I think he gets better in each one as he gets older, and I think that's all, with all the all three of the main main kids. But the I I here's what I will argue about it. Because the writing really starts to not service Harry Potter as a character. I, I think he totally. does get better, but it, we're really moving towards this is the start of the, 
I hate him and I hate everything and everything's bad and I should do it by myself and you'll see and you don't get it and it's just the anxious little kid that is ever going to exist. Well, I think, yeah, with some of the later books, he does get angsty because that's the way he's written in the books. And, like, especially with Order of the Phoenix, that's, like, the year that, like, everything's going wrong. Everything sucks at Hogwarts now. Umbridge comes in, fucking ruins everything. And he's having, like, the worst year of his whole Hogwarts, you know, career is his fifth year. Everything's wrong. They cancel Quidditch. So I think, you know, it makes sense that he would be angsty at that point. Um, but I think he becomes, he's, he's, he's the straight man of the story. So he just kind of has to react to stuff a lot and not really he's get the to have cho- his own It's chosen one syndrome. Don't you think he's the Luke? I mean, it's yeah. the, he's got so much to shoulder of just remember. I mean, so I, this, I really love this Rima speech. You have to remember that the Bogart showed you things because you've gone through things. No other student at this school ever has. You're special, Harry. And you just want to go. All right, man, like fucking tone well, it down. He experienced, <laughs> you know, trauma as a baby of his of seeing his parents murdered in front of him. Because he's the but chosen one. That's kind of pretty I, traumatic. There's but, a, yeah, yeah. But it's so Kimbellian. We talk about it all the time on this podcast. Yeah. He just, he has the burden of the entire story on him, on his shoulders. And that, that allows no character through, in my opinion. And I think that's, we're no, yeah. starting there now. I still like him. I still like Harry. And I he's also Daniel the, Radcliffe. he's also the insert character of like, oh, you could be Harry, you know, you could be the center of this whole story. But yeah, he doesn't yeah. get really to develop his own personality other than reacting to stuff. I think he kind of just um, he likes Quidditch and he likes well but he know, likes being the best the at rules. things. I like being yeah. the best at Quidditch. I like being the number one at school. I like being you know like that's, not necessarily that's in school. He's like doesn't he doesn't care about his schoolwork as much as like Hermione. Hermione wants to be the best in school, right? Um, him and Ron yeah. are more slackers when it comes to schoolwork. Yeah, he like he, yeah he wants to be popular. He wants to be he wants to be loved basically because he didn't you know didn't have love of parents growing up, so he wants to be loved. Don't we all? Deep, deep stuff. Hey, sure do. <laughs> you said um, it, Jacob. Yeah, but no, I think, yeah, but I think he does a good job in this one. And I think Hermione, I think Hermione obviously might be the best actor of all three of them, Emma Watson, yes. as she gets older. Um, so then, hold on, let's, let's go yeah. there real quick. Let's do this conundrum. Let's fix it. So Cassie, what, she's done that, the Circle social media movie, right? I don't think, I didn't catch I read that. The, I, don't, I, don't I read The Circle did. at ICM. I did not recommend it. Still got made. Really? She's made yeah, some weird yeah. choices. Well, Harry's made some like weird, small, independent movie choices, which I like. She's made some like very questionable, like Beauty and the Beast. Well, and, let me like, ask you this, Jacob. Is, is she stuck yeah. in the... You know, uh, the the nerdy girl next door who's grown up pretty. Like, what what would be what would she, what should she be doing? You She's done the like hail. the Disney yeah, princess that's stuff. Well, she did doing. get, but um, it doesn't work. Remember when she dropped Beauty out of the Brown because people were bullying her about being? Her oh mom. yeah, yeah. She's like, I sure. can't do this. Like, well, I'm sure it is hard, like, but really, she did almost get like too attractive to be Hermione because Hermione's never supposed to be like the most pretty you know, girl, like she's, she, that's just how she's written in the book. I'm just saying, but, um, 
you know, she doesn't, she's not a supermodel or anything, but, um, I think Emma Watson, she was really good in, um, Perks of Being a Wallflower, the movie. Okay. A very popular book and movie that, that so yeah. maybe her avenue is adaptations. <laughs> this Which is kind of playing work, like the manic but... pixie dream girl in that movie. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe literary. I don't know. But the Disney stuff didn't work out. Um, that the Sofia Coppola, you know, the, the shopping ring, the bling, oh, the ring, bling that's ring, that's a fucking bad movie. So I, I would just wonder what is she looking forward to in the future? We've said it. Daniel Radcliffe is, I want to do the weirdest and wildest stuff possible. I want people to forget that I'm Harry Potter. She right. does She's not seem to be in that She's Natalie in that she lucked out okay. doing a really profound role when yeah. really she wasn't doing very much. She was just a young girl and um, like, you know, doing the job to a certain extent. But she's like, not broken out of Princess why, Amidala. You're right, Cassie. Yeah, like, but Natalie well, Portman, I, mean, like, I think, has really established herself as cast. one of the best actors out there. Really, mm. like her wor- like Natalie Portman's worst role might be Princess Amidala in terms of acting. Yeah. Like she's done so many good. <laughs> we've roles. been watching that because of the Mandalorian, so we've been watching like the fucking terrible Ooh. prequels, and she is terrible. And but I'm everyone's bad. No, they're all bad. George They're Lucas is not an actor's director at all. But Ewan yeah. McGregor is not bad. He's not a director at all. Ewan McGregor uh, is good. Mike's right. <laughs> he's not. Um, he's, yeah, he's not a. He's not a director of actors. No, but if if I'm ranking the the actors of this Harry Potter series, I honestly think um, Dudley or whatever, Dursley. Dudley he's Dursley? great in the Queen's Gambit. Yeah, he's, he's outstanding he's in the Queen's Gambit. I'm still in my mind when I found out. We haven't been allowed to do it because Joe hasn't watched it. Jacob found out on the first one. We couldn't believe it. Harry Beltnick playing Dursley Dudley or whatever their mm. their name is. Dudley Dursley. He kind of subtly kills it, right, Mike? He like it's a performance where you're like, I don't know. You watch it as a kid and you're like, it's easy to be the dumb spoiled kid, but now you're like, the the guy's always fucking had it. There's some well, just, subtlety. I love to it. the. Uh, yeah, and just the way that whole scene is blocked out to the, the Dursley stuff um, in this movie is another Kuran thing. Is like the the little details of like him watching the TV and like not looking away from the TV, um, you know, for anything. It's like Eurovision. Just, I paused it to yeah. see what it was, Jacob. <laughs> that reminds me of Willy Wonka too. You know, the kid that's obsessed with watching TV. Well, it does. And Jacob, why isn't inflating people one of the three deadly curses or whatever they're called? <laughs> one of them is mind control torture instant killing inflating yes. people should be number four i don't well, want to be re- inflated a reversible thing like yeah it's not it's a not life a altering deal. thing it's, it's a, a big charm. deal i don't like it's it just Cassie. a little charm right it's gross <laughs> um yeah but so we meet you know we have the night bus in this movie we we meet cornelius yeah. fudge who i think we see a little bit in the last one but he's a bigger part of this one and he becomes a bigger part you just see more of the details you see you know, uh, Tom at the uh, the pub at uh, Diagon Alley. And you just get these little details that are not so much in the first two that really just add color to the whole thing, I think. Yeah, and I, like specifically for me, like the Marauder's Map and Fred and George talking about the joke shop. Like there's, there's world building with Hogsmeade, like, and you said the geography of Hogwarts. So there's a really good amount of kind of world building beyond what we've totally. been exposed to in the first two, which I think is another strength of this too, is everything just kind of goes deeper. Um, yeah. And you're starting to see like tertiary characters are getting more than like one line, a movie like Fred and George Neville and like Seamus Finnegan, Colin's favorite character, right? <laughs> my favorite. Um, 
but yeah, and those they continue to become a bigger part as Harry kind of forms his like you know, his club of D- Dumbledore's army, right? It's all the, the good students together, like fighting against the bad students. But, um, and the, you know, my favorite characters have always been Sirius Black, Hagrid, and Fred and George Weasley. Um, so those are my four favorite characters, I guess, if you want to go into that. I love Fred and George. They, they're very, I thought they were super cute because their hair is super long. So like uh, at the time, I was always around the age of the actors at least um, yeah, that play. That's what everybody so, like, says. Me and all Everyone my girls were like, oh my God, the twins are so cute and they're so mischievous. Like that really did it for me as like <laughs> a little girl into Harry totally. Potter. <laughs> when I was watching them, I didn't want to be Harry. I didn't want to be Ron. I wanted to be Fred or George and just be a prankster yes. and just be pulling pranks, getting into mischief, not t- doing all this serious Voldemort life and death stuff. Mm-hmm. The things that they're eating that they roar and that Harry steams out, Fred and George made those is what they say? They will is eventually. Right? They, they oh, go okay. on to be Oh, yeah, like, because they're designing their own but, pranks and eventually they own their But again, their own what is it? Are they mixing potions? Is that a Willy Wonka's lab? Charms. Or are they just pulling yeah, they're the making stick? Charms, it shows and that they're actually candy, good at magic, but they only when one they of a kind put it candy. into their interest. Yeah. Okay. Because you know, basically, it's like with the brooms, right? How are they coming up with new magic to make faster and faster brooms know. every time? I keep asking. <laughs> well, it's like technology. Like, they're discovering new ways to put combine different elements of magic to make things faster, I guess. I don't See, know. if you just use standard yeah. wheat fiber for the bristles, it'll go a lot slower than if you use a higher-end <laughs> kind of fiber for the bristles. Right, you're just right. learning that they can, you know... So there's aerodynamics right. and stuff. This leads into another question is when do they learn like basic math and science? Because they still need they that don't. for everyday, you know, things, right? Like aerodynamics is still an important element of broom design, I would think. No, it's just trial and error. They just, just yeah. hard no. way. It. I don't know. When you, read, when you read like YA manga or anime or stuff, they usually say if it's like at a school setting, oh, you know, we did all our main classes up top end of the day, the stuff you're seeing in the actual book or the show, that's where we learn to be superheroes, basketball stars, you know, whatever. Right. And this, you're right, Jacob, it's like, <laughs> okay, so Snape's your uh, substitute teacher today, he's going to teach whatever he wants at this time, <laughs> yeah. then everybody has to go over to this class. Oh, by the way, Ginny's in your Defense Against Arts class, uh, she's maybe in your guy's grade now, it's like, <laughs> no, she's not. Well, it's like, yeah, the different defense against the dark arts, they each can teach their own, like, they each choose their own curriculum. Yeah, their own so it's syllabus. like every year. It's, it's easy like to a be a teacher shoot. at Hogwarts because you just get asked to do it. You don't have any teaching credentials. If you're and a friend you're like, of Dumbledore, well, what, what's yeah. your interest? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's Dumbledore the ultimate is enabler system. Really just puts his, his, his friends and his, his allies into Cronies. positions. <laughs> Again, Dumbledore, maybe not a great school administrator. <laughs> That's what we're finding out, Cassie. We're kind of becoming anti-Dumbledore on this podcast, (laughs) especially at the administration of a school level. Heavy favoritism and questionable um, handing out of technologies. While we're winding down on this one, Cassie, just because this is the only time, unfortunately, we're going to have you on to talk Harry Potter. What are your thoughts on those Fantastic Beasts? Do you like when we see young Dumbledore? Is that your favorite thing ever? Or we didn't even mention in the first one, Nicholas Flamel, a character from the first movie we covered, shows up again in that dumb series. That's right. I wanted to like Fantastic Beasts. I saw that at a screening at CAA, so I really wanted wow. to like it. Um, 
Yeah. So like, I, f- I love that you guys are deciding you don't like Dumbledore. Cause I think if Fantastic Beast is trying to do anything, it's make us question like, damn, was, is Dumbledore like really that great of a guy? Or right. Just kind of skirt I think you're his right. way here. Well, um, that's a, and- also a big theme of the later books where he admits to Harry that he basically like fucked up a bunch of times and like, would have done it he all gave differently. Harry to the Dursleys. Like that was his idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, he basically, Dumbass. what he, what he eventually admits to Harry is that he kept Harry at an arm's length for a long time because he thought that was the best way to protect him. But then he realizes that's actually wasn't. And so, yeah, he basically, you're a weapon him. to me. <laughs> so yeah, Dumbledore is a flawed the books, person. I never, I was, I was like, good. Dumbledore's dead. I can finally like have a shot. <laughs> well, I think it's a, a reoccurring theme is that a lot of the, people that Harry builds up as heroes early on, Dumbledore, um, his parents, ultimately he finds out they're not exactly what he thought they were when he gets older. Wow. Um, so, so what does that say about the author? And is she acting that out so that we too will not build up our heroes by her poor actions in real life? <laughs> it, you know, interesting. I I'm think just it, saying the yeah, theme lines up. With, yeah. yeah. Um, inadvertently. Yes. I love that. Yeah. I think a lot of uh, JK Rowling's, personality that she puts in in these books kind of comes back to you know bite her in the end uh in interesting ways but um yeah well perfect moment to say as we do on every one of these trans women are women we uh we stand with you you know what i was thinking uh listeners readers of this podcast as we like to call readers. it <laughs> exactly. uh reach out let me know what's a good trans rights group to like donate to i'm gonna do that once we're done with our harry vember potter mermaids for the holidays that's a good that's idea, a good idea. I There's love a UK that. group called okay. Mermaids, I think. That's like uh a- All right, Mermaids it is. So I say we go ahead and dive in then, like we're going to eventually. I think there's mermaids in the next book. Uh, <laughs> and head over to our final thoughts. Let's let's wrap it up here on Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> All right, we've spun this time, Turner, enough. We're back at the start of the podcast. Welcome to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you to... No, 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 sorry. No, sorry. That was the other Colin. We're going to let him walk away. And perfect. Okay, so we're back. This is the end of the podcast here. Doing the wrap-up on our thoughts here on Prisoner of Azkaban, third uh, episode of... Or third episode. It is the third episode of this series. The third book in the Harry Potter series that we are covering for a couple months now. Uh, Cassie, we love you. You've been an amazing guest here. Uh, I guess we'll go ahead and ask you your final thoughts first. Just anything you want to say more about the Harry Potter universe, you know, to open it up to you since, again, this is kind of the last time we're going to have you here. Oh, hey, that is quite oh, – there's so much to say. Unless you want I know to I'm back. not going to – well, okay, so <laughs> I've read all the books, right? And, like, I really yes. love the fourth and the fifth a lot. I really love both of them. The fourth Originally, one, you were saying the, the fifth. Disservice. We got you on this yeah. one. Yeah, so fifth is that great makes too. Sense. Fifth, agreed, they agreed. start fighting back. So that's that's a lot. I totally of fun. agree. The the movie to book translation fourth is probably the worst one. It is the worst. But, that's but my the favorite book, book. If you want to, maybe like I don't know if you ever return to this. You, I definitely think you should have a whole conversation about just the book <laughs> because it's like one hundred percent because it, it whole, literally is my so favorite book things. and they cut out so yeah. many of the good parts. So it's yeah, like, God, maybe yeah. I'll just read that book. Do you think I could just start I at might. number four, Colin? I might. Oh, do it. Oh, yeah. Well, let's and do Cassie, it. Cassie, I'm, I'm looking next week. I'm looking forward to talking about this. But the probably the biggest part of the books that gets cut out is 
like I said before, Hermione becoming a house rights, a house elf rights activist, starting this group called <laughs> Spew, um, totally cut out of the movies completely. And she does this and everyone acts like she's like crazy or like just being annoying. It's like for opposing slavery, every, literally all the good people, all the bad people, no one's on board with it except her. So kind of a mind blowing thing about the books, but the um, greatest allegory of the Harry Potter series is like the generational, like what's going to, what's happening in Harry Potter will happen in the real world. And I don't know how oh yeah. she captured that. I don't know how, but totally. like, I really, and my she's like on the wrong side really of it too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she doesn't even realize <laughs> it. That's the, that's the ironic part. That's the big irony. Yeah. It it's is. like, if you compare like, yeah, her views on, you know, trans people to like certain elements from the books, like it totally makes sense. Like she doesn't understand what, you know, young people are talking about but she's become essentially she's become cornelius fudge of you know her own world <laughs> that's very specific but yes <laughs> yeah. or umbridge i don't know she's not as oh, chipper, very true but right umbridge is the word. but i say yeah fudge because he just kind of stuck his hand head in the sand about certain things in you know society and just goes like no that doesn't that's not happening voldemort's doesn't you know he's not around anymore but we'll get into that next week i just want to share some thoughts about this one this is uh we were talking about how it's always the defense against the dark arts or the new teacher turns out to be the bad guy they set it up thinking that lupin's is the bad guy and then she flips it you know so this is where oh we're following a trend and they flip the red herring on you so that's a nice touch because we were joking about how they're all kind of the same movie also we don't see uh gryffindor winning the uh the hogwarts cup or whatever so they they don't they, they really don't let have go that of the scene. cup they really let go yeah. of that in the series well, it ends in a very that's a big deal mm-hmm. yeah it ends in a very strange way where it's just like harry flying on his broom and then he gets a new broom out of freeze nowhere frame. it's freeze, freeze yeah, frame it's yeah freeze frame ending that's so it's so like, crazy oh, it's a very strange yeah, freeze weird. frame right he's got a motion but blur mike, on his face <laughs> yeah mike i wanted to ask you as someone so you have not read the third book right in your no, I, I read up to four. Oh, okay um well never mind i was gonna ask as a movie watcher only were you confused by the whole climax with um Sirius and remus and like their relationship and stuff like i mentioned with the map and everything did you understand all of that like i even it's been years so i didn't really remember that james and them made the marauders map but i could read enough that like they were good homies from back in the day you know what I mean? Right. And that's enough for me as just like a casual viewer, I would say. Right. But I, I didn't I did miss some of that subtext that you were talking about earlier okay. in the episode. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, the whole f- part, you know, the whole context of it is that like James Potter's three friends were Sirius, Remus, and Peter Pettigrew. Yeah, and we literally have not said two words about Peter Pettigrew on this podcast, by the <laughs> way, which is great. They, that was such I, a great cast. He did a great because he, he Timothy Spall. Totally he's amazing. Totally. He plays he's like a slime bag yeah. yes. and a bunch of stuff. You, oh, this is a character I'm so happy gets introduced. Kind of not the movie to talk to talk about him, even though he is the twist. Because be you're just gonna hate him yeah. for the rest of the series. Yeah, and a, a thing that I like is the idea that like if you're an animagus and you stay as your animal too long, you basically just like take on characteristics of that animal where he's like very rat like in his like mannerisms. Once he gets turned back into human, he's got the buck teeth. He's like skittering. He's been in rat form for that whole time being the Weasley family pet rat. So just think about that. Living your life. I need to go back to the first two movies and make sure it's missing a a toe. Yeah. Uh, That would be good. Mike, (laughs) (laughs) I need you to cut off this animal's toe for this movie. 
you know, the special well, edition, just do it CG, yeah. but you better go back and fix it. But Mike, another thing I wanted to ask you, as a werewolf fan, what are your thoughts on this movie's depiction of werewolves? I think it's a really low tier werewolf design. It's <laughs> yeah. probably bottom Mike, this might be the worst well, one, right? That actor's well, okay. not... He looks like whatever the hell that is. Yeah, and I think there's a canon yeah. explanation. So later in the series, you will see there's other werewolves and there's bad werewolves that like enjoy being a werewolf and like killing people and stuff. And they're more ferocious. He's kind of like a malnourished werewolf because he doesn't mm-hmm. indulge his tendencies of like oh. wanting to eat people. So he's like very small and malnourished. I think that's why he looks like that. Then that makes sense. Good. And that could have also then, well, it doesn't need to be explained, but having that background, it does make sense why he looks kind of gaunt. Yeah. I don't oh, yeah, use that word often. Guy. I yeah. never even thought about that. Like that is blowing. My yeah, mind. because later you find out that the werewolf that turned him is like this famous bad werewolf that is like working for Voldemort later, and he just likes turning people into werewolves. And like Lupin's whole thing is he's like a, he's ashamed of being a werewolf, and like he doesn't you know he doesn't want to be associated with it in any way. Um, again, you know, you're born with the name Remus Lupin. You're probably going to be turned into a werewolf at some point in your life. <laughs> mm, interesting. <laughs> but it is good that his friends taught, turn themselves into animals to make him feel better. I don't know if I would turn totally. into a deer next to a werewolf, but, you know. Well, I think if any of you Mike. were a werewolf, I don't know if I would permanently turn into an animal just to You don't have to permanently as an animagus. You, know. you guys wouldn't. If I got yeah. cancer and it started going to, uh, to real bad, Cassie, you wouldn't turn into a big cat for me? Oh, if you got cancer? I feel like that's like... <laughs> it's real serious in the Harry Potter world. I don't know. I think the... Like, the- the dog and the deer make sense because they're like big animals that can like protect. Yeah, themselves. I don't get the rat. The rat is like, it. yeah, why? What's a rat gonna he's do? He's a piece of a shit. He was a piece of shit at heart. That's what he's always yeah. been. Yeah, I guess so. Right. He's just a little right. hangers on. Yeah, I'm gonna jump in on my final thoughts. I'm gonna let you go last, Jacob, as the big expert here. So I had a couple other notes that I wrote down. We got to the other ones. Um, I said in the last one, Chamber of Secrets, that my favorite shot was the WB sign sort of coming up, the John Williams score just sort of like blasting. I mean, just really working. This one, even better. The fade into the black WB shield as it sort of comes up that then fades away into like the darkness of Harry Potter's like little town. We go in, it's him under the covers doing like a magic spell or whatever. Fucking slaps. Like, it's it's good yeah. from shot one, guys. Like, totally. fucking pro at work here. And if I could piggyback, just he's trying to cast Lumos to put light in the darkness in the very first scene, and you talked about that earlier, Colin, so that's the oh, theme, right? Oh, Mike, a what a little theme, theme this movie has. Very good, very good. Light. Uh, well, okay, let's talk about light and darkness. My last complaint about it, Jacob, the rating for this movie is PG. That's a little intense at this point, wouldn't you say? Aren't you kind of shocked they haven't made the turn to 13 at this point? Yeah, I mean. I'm glad they haven't. I'm glad they didn't. Cassie, do you think that's because they're just like, everybody has to come see this thing? We're not hitting a billion dollars yet. These these movies don't make it. I'm glad they let a girl punch a guy in a PG movie. I'm glad they let that. Yeah, it's why. But there's a serial killer in it. Yeah, but you don't see anyone die. I mean, the next one, I think that's got to be PG-13 because you literally watch fucking Robert Pattinson die. Um, This one, there's the implied death of a hippogriff, but you don't see it. (laughs) Almost worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we also didn't talk about Buckbeak very much. Buckbeak's the best boy. No. 
He's a gangster. He's really good. The fact that this movie just ends with him being like, I don't know who this stranger is, but we both broke out of jail. Let's hit it. It's like, yeah, you're my little yeah. Bonnie and Clyde, dude. I love you. And then later, Sirius like just keeps Buckbeak as like his his friend. It's really cool. So. Hell yeah. yeah. Buckbeak's good boy. All right, those are my final thoughts. Jacob, I want to hear yours. Um, mine is basically, um, like I've been saying, you know, my favorite movie of them all. Um, I think my second favorite movie would be Seven Part One, um, which we'll get to. That's kind of a hot take. A lot of people don't. Ooh, we're gonna rank them at the end. We'll save that yeah. for Part Two, I think. Mike, put that in the docket. We are gonna rank these bad boys. <laughs> put it in the docket. Um, this one though, it's just like has that chaotic energy throughout. Where the the first two are very much more like straightforward, like going to wizard school here's all the stuff that you're gonna learn about this one is just so like zany and like there's just this energy to it and it has this like kind of just crazy you know zany energy that i love and um yeah it's it's great and i love it um (laughs) i kind of said a lot about uh, you know everything that i wanted to say um i just think it's a great movie and and going back and rewatching it was was very enjoyable just listening to you, Jacob, this entire time, having a wonderful, lovely conversation with you and my other hosts here and our guest. Uh, I will say this is the one where you said, well, not to nitpick the most. You know, it is the one where you're going to the well of it's different right. than the book. It's different than this. Well, it's I'll, interesting. I mean, because... I'll ultimately ask. Well, let me ask you this. This yeah. the big question. Harry Potter people in my life keep saying I got texts from a listener you know, from someone I love who said, make sure you bring up how the third one's actually the worst movie because it cuts out stuff from the book. Right. So this, this is the That's the two sides of it. Between the book purists, which I agree yeah. with some of their points, but as a movie, I think it's the best, if you're looking at it outside of being a Harry Potter fan, I think it's the best made movie, best made film. Yes. But that's the divide because it is, like Curran was not afraid to just take stuff out or just change things to fit the movie better. So it really is the, the divide between the book purists and the movie purists, I guess it, it succeeds as a film, but maybe comes up short as an adaptation. So yes. Which I think Love all it. the, all of the movies past this one have things that from the, they're cut out from the books partially due to time. So that's going to be a recurring thing. I think the fourth one, like Cassie said, is the worst example of this. So this one's not even the worst example but the first two really were different in that they were more literal adaptations. But so like I asked uh, Cassie up top, Jacob, do you want the TV show direct adaptation? Because I have voiced my opinion in our last two episodes. My fear, if it's a 10 episode HBO Max, you know, Harry Potter, it's called Harry Potter or maybe it's called Hogwarts or something. It's probably called Harry Potter. Wizarding and World. every season is called Chamber of Secrets, you know, Sorcerer's mm-hmm. Stone, blah, 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 blah. The, the last is, episode of a lot of those is just him in a hospital bed getting explained <laughs> what happened the entire season to him. Like, it does right. not work it's split up like that. Well, they don't have to do Harry Potter, which I think is, like, I don't know what's going on with the rights and with her, um, but right. it can't be Harry Potter. It's well, that's be the thing now. is I would love more okay. Wizarding World material. The problem is the one they chose to focus on is like the most boring part, like setting it in like the 1920s and making about Newt Scamander, someone nobody cares about and Mm, just having this whole plot that nobody cares about. 
I don't understand what they were thinking, but it's not working. If they could just said something in the contemporary time of maybe after Harry's time or something dealing with Harry's children or something just or just other Harry characters. Just like the Skywalker saga. Let it rest. Right. I, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, but Cassie made me remember. Uh, to rate the Reddit for a minute, a segment we used to do on this show, the Harry Potter Reddit has a guy who submits to it um, animated snidbit ap- adaptations he creates that are set to the Stephen Fry audiobook narration. Oh, okay. And they're stupendous. They they yeah. depict Harry Potter as a Pakistani, a, a half Pakistani male. Pitched is to do something like that. Just I love do, that. I hope that's how cool... all shows start. Is you just start dropping animated series into Reddit what? and oh, someone sure. finds hey, it. An option, Cassie. It's like a it's cool shorts. If you put them all together, it's almost yeah. like an episode. I, I don't. It's like the highlights of the book to me. Like the parts that they do. I like that shit. I I would watch it if it was that. Well, Colin, yeah, to answer your question, I think it would have to be animated if they were going to remake Harry Potter. I'm seeing that now. Yeah. You you really couldn't recast this these parts. You can't recast Snape. You can't recast, you know, Hagrid. Like it just wouldn't work because when people think of Snape, they think of Alan Rickman. It just it so a live action, maybe 30 years from now they could do it. But right now they wouldn't be able to remake the Harry uh, Potter stories. Jacob, we'll be on action. our 20th Spider-Man by that point. Isn't that so sad? <laughs> 30 years. We'll, we'll right. see where the legacy of Harry Potter lands. You know, it, right. it <laughs> settles. Like, will it still be as huge as it is? Yeah. By I the way, big news. Smart, they could, but go ahead. Yeah, big news in the wizarding world. Uh, you know, Johnny Depp obviously out. Mads Mikkelsen yes. in as the new Grindelwald. Oh, yes. So yes. I like no that. No one should watch the movie this. anyway. <laughs> Nobody's going to watch it. It does I not still matter. Don't care, but I like Mads Mikkelsen as an actor. And uh, yeah, he's always good. So they got one more shot. It's not going to work. And they got to figure something out. And I want like future witchcraft that like, please Ooh. do something yeah. in the future. No, I can't believe they're still continuing the, that series. Like it's mind blowing that the second Fantastic Beast is so bad. It, that should be a franchise killer. I, we, we've danced around it. I would put that as one of the top five worst movies I have ever seen. Jacob and I saw it together. It we be, were completely yeah. horizontal in one of those like theater style <laughs> seats. I remember looking over to you multiple times just in disbelief. And then once we were done asking you what the plot of the movie was. Oh, it's insane. It's so confusing. And it's, you just have to think like J.K. Rowling wrote those screenplays. And there's a yeah. there's a difference between writing novels and writing screenplays, and that's pretty yeah. clear. That just because you're a good novelist or a good children's novelist doesn't mean you're a good screen screenwriter. No, right? <laughs> and I'll Absolutely leave it at that. correct. One hundred percent. All right, my <laughs> right. fellow prisoners. I love you guys. We didn't talk about Dementors at all, so I'm going to give you a big Dementor. Too scary. I'm that's still really scared of Dementors. See, they are too scary. Final thought: Dementor is too scary. The Ring Race. Buckbeak. Good. Before. Before we get out of here, can I read you guys a message I received from a listener? This oh, is yes. a surprise. Oh my God. So this is coming from Chris in Australia. He said, just want to send some good vibes and appreciation from down here in Australia. Absolutely love the show. And it's so great to hear healthy, friendly, and insightful discussion, particularly in 2020. He wants us to pay close attention to the directing in Goblet of Fire. It was his favorite book. Thanks, Chris from Australia. Hi, you guys. Good day, mate. Ah, thanks. Yeah. That's so we cool. Loved it. Wow. Thank you, Chris. Good day, so good day, team, Thank you. Yeah. And we'll get Goblet yeah. next week for you. So I had to talk about Goblet. It's my favorite book as well, but not my favorite movie. So 
We no, will talk about yeah, it. Get ready, listeners. So yeah, they I cut think the you so might much. share some of those Quidditch sentiments. World Cups. We'll so you know how they it. started splitting them in two? I can't believe they didn't do that. For That's the, when they should have. I would have. Yeah. That's like, true. There's yeah. enough going on. like, And they could have right. included everything. Yeah, they. I mean, that's the thing is the books just got so long, and it kind of became a franchise thing to make your last movie into two parts. Um, but yeah, they could have. Twilight done it from did it first. On. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I rewatched Twilight. Twilight. Harry Potter the had Robert Twilight Pattinson slaps. first. I've never seen it. It was really good because it had a bunch of vampires and they all have unique powers. I didn't I, know that. I, yeah, was I like there's this the one scene end, where um, I, I have love watched it. I just love those it. two. Cassie, I know there's this one scene in one of the movies where they had this huge fight and a bunch of people die and it's like really mm. badass and violent and then they realize it's yeah. all like an imagination of something it's that could happen. It's all in Alice's head. It's something, it's yeah. what Alice saw. Yeah, that's such uh, a Jacob, that's I'll do even better. Alice. It's on a bed of ice that's made to look like a chessboard because they're all such strategist it's like a big chess match so we're sure. bringing it back around to queen's gambit guys oh, i love man. martin sheen in that movie or what's his name not martin sheen whatever that guy is. that's martin sheen well okay, by the martin time we're doing twivember we'll have it figured out <laughs> yes. that's right that's right <laughs> i hope we never all right make normies as always, you can find us at normies underscore like underscore us on all social media. Hit us up there. Once this is done, of course, to recommend future show- shows, future topics, future things for us to talk about. Right now, like our friend in Australia just did, hit us up. Let us know what you think about these Harry Potter stuff. What are you guys excited about? Are you watching along with us? Are you following? Are these winter holiday movies to you guys? We want to know. By the way, one Absolutely. thing. This movie to me specifically feels like a Halloween movie. I don't know why. Maybe it's the pumpkins. A Halloween movie? They always are yeah. holiday movies because they start the when the school year starts and there's Halloween and like they don't celebrate Thanksgiving, but yeah, there's pumpkins around right. and then they always do Christmas. They're always like. I would say totally. the one where they go to the dance is the one that feels like Halloween oh. to me because that feels like they're wearing we'll like costumes or whatever. We'll get into that. The cameos of the band members. Oh, okay. We'll get into that next week. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm very excited to hear. So Normies, we've teed that up for you. Again, follow us along our social media as always we've been your hosts this is colin black marauder is mike this is uh jacob lupin and special guest cassie black special guest hey. cassie black special yeah. guest right. cassie black thank you cassie for so, casting hey guys, a spell you on us. Cassie. thank you thank you bye normies i'm excited to have Mischief. you back for our sims episode yes please, yes get ready please do it there's so much good content <laughs> <laughs> maybe a simulacrum Mischief managed. managed. Mischief managed. Oh, hell yeah. This is Aquaman, and if you enjoyed that episode, I'd really appreciate it if you give it a like, share, and subscribe on iTunes, and you'd really be one of my men if you share with a friend. We'll be seeing you around.